In the literary household of fiction and the drama, things are usually in a distressing enough condition. The husband, as you know, has a hacking cough, and the wife a dying baby, and they write in the intervals of these cares among the litter of the breakfast things. Occasionally a comic but sympathetic servant brings in an armful, heaped up and brimming over, of rejected manuscripts, for in the dramatic life it never rains but it pours. Instead of talking about editors in a bright and vigorous fashion, as the recipients of rejections are wont, the husband groans and covers his face with his hands, and the wife, leaving the touching little story she is writing, she posts this about 9pm, and it brings in a publisher and a hundred pounds or so before 10.30, comforts him by flopping suddenly over his shoulder. Courage, she says, stroking his hyacinthine locks, whereas all real literary men are more or less grey or bald. Sometimes, as in our flat, comic tradesmen interrupt the course of true literature with their ignoble desire for cash payment, and sometimes, as in our boys, uncles come and weep at the infinite pathos of a bad breakfast egg. But it's always a very sordid, dusty, lump-in-your-throaty affair, and no doubt it conduces to mortality by deterring the young and impressionable from literary vices. As for its truth, that is another matter altogether. Yet it must not be really imagined that a literary household is just like any other. There is the brass paper fastener, for instance— I have sometimes thought that Euphemia married me with an eye to these conveniences. She has two in her grey gloves, and one, with the head inked, in her boot in the place of a button. Others I suspect her of. Then she fastened the lampshade together with them, and tried one day to introduce them instead of pearl buttons as efficient anchorage for cuffs and collars, and she made a new handle for the little drawer under the inkstand with one, Indeed, the literary household is held together, so to speak, by paper fasteners, and how other people get along without them we are at a loss to imagine. And another point, almost equally important, is that the husband is generally messing about at home. That is, indeed, to a superficial observer, one of the most remarkable characteristics of the literary household. Other husbands are cast out in the morning to raven for income and return to a home that is swept and garnished towards the end of the day. But the literary husband is ever in possession. His work must not be disturbed even when he is merely thinking. The study is, consequently, a kind of domestic cordite factory, and you are never certain when it may explode. The concussion of a dustpan and brush may set it going, the sweeping of a carpet in the room upstairs. Then behold a haggard, brain-weary man, fierce and dishevelled and full of shattered masterpiece, expostulating. Other houses have their day of cleaning out this room and their day for cleaning out that, but in the literary household there is one uniform date for all such functions, and that is tomorrow. 
so that Mrs. Murgles makes her purifying raids with her heart in her mouth, and has acquired a way of leaving the pail and brush, or whatever artillery she has with her, in a manner that unavoidably engages the infuriated brute's attention, and so covers her retreat.' 